Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Another episode of everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very special buddy. You know him from The Illusionist, The Inventor, Mr. Kevin James. How you doing today, sir? Hey, great, Nick. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for stopping on the show. It's an honor. So, so Mr. Inventor, I have a question for you. Sure. How did you get started in magic? What sparked your interest? You know, I don't have some uh, really interesting story. It kind of happened like every other magician, or most of them. Uh, I saw some magician uh, come to my school, in elementary school, and kind of uh, instantly knew that's what I wanted to do and uh, completely fell in love with it. And then actually not too, too far after that, Doug Henning kind of came onto the scene uh, nationally and that kind of, uh, you know, sealed the deal for me right there. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Doug Henning, you mentioned a school magician. Were there any other magicians or illusionists that inspired you to become who you are today? You know, oh, I have I had lots of uh, inspirations, and I still I still find new inspirations today. But um, you know, back in the early days, uh, I would collect all kinds of you know videotape of magicians that you know. Uh, I mean, that was on VHS. You had to like really be prepared when when a TV show was going to come on. You had to be ready to hit record on the VHS and. And I was able to catch quite a few interesting uh, magicians, um, some that really, really opened my eyes and mind were uh, uh, Ricciardi Jr. and uh, uh, Hans Moretti. Uh, those were those were big, big guys back in in the day. And, and they were just doing something completely different, something really uh, exciting and uh, you know, a little dangerous, a little fun, and uh, uh, and then I, and then it became really a lot of fun to uh, to study the history of magic and to to really kind of dig into it and see who who were the really interesting movers and shakers. You know, a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Speaking of history, any familiarity with Harry Keller? Oh yeah, he he was a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. he was so famous that he didn't even need his name on the poster. You just have a big picture of his face and, you know, uh, he became, you know, he was, it's one point he was the, the, the biggest uh, magician in the United States. Wow. Yeah. And he's from Erie. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's how we know him. Our local magic and comedy club is named after him. All right. Yep. So, then, so you become a magician, or you start getting into magic. How did you find the opportunity with the illusionists? Uh, you know, I was I was kind of uh, headhunted for this job that was just going to be uh, a three week uh, contract at the City Opera House. So, um, Brett Daniels was putting it together with a guy named Simon Painter, and um, so Brett, you know, selected me from you know, who he wanted to be on the show and uh, others in that, in that opening uh, cast were uh, Jeff Hobson and uh, mm -hmm. Dan Sperry and uh, James DeMare. Um, 
Andrew Basso, this uh, escapologist from Italy, and uh, and Brett, and it was it was a pretty amazing show. Awesome. Now you mentioned some. You mentioned a mutual buddy that we have, Mr. Jeff Hobson. What's it like working with him? It's a joy. I mean, he's um, he's he's just a uh, a very funny. He's funny all the time, uh, and. And you really get to know somebody when you're when you're on a tour bus with him for, you know, four months. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, and uh, I usually would go on right after Jeff, and I, it was great because I could stand in the wings and, and really watch the the uh, the little fine tuning that he would try every night. And that's the great part about working every night is that you can uh, you can see the you know oh this pause was a little longer or you know he tried a new joke that he hadn't put in for you know, 15 years or whatever. And, uh, and, and you could just see how, or how he handled uh, a strange situation on stage. Uh, sometimes he would get, you know, crazy things happening. And uh, uh, it's just funny to watch how a real pro can handle that situation. Brilliant. And another mutual buddy that we have is um, my buddy, Antonio. Sure. Yeah. How did, uh, I believe you were you were Antonio's boss at one point. Well, for thirty four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did <laughs> you how did you find the opportunity with him? So, uh, I was living when I first moved to California. I, I decided to live right between Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm, right in the middle, so I could work both really easy. And. Um, there was another little kind of chaotic dinner theater not too far from there called Crackers. And uh, so I got a gig there just being a talking comedy magician and just trying new stuff all the time. And Antonio was there as a, uh, a strolling kind of comedian. Uh, so he did this Charlie Chaplin character and he was so good at it. And he would just walk around and mess with people. You know, it was so fun. And he would just break the ice and have fun. And, you know, he had all sorts of bits of business to do with people. And and uh, and it was a great training ground for uh, a new performer. Because um, they had a stage in the middle of the room. Half half the room was a, di- a dinner theater. Half the room was, was a bar. But everybody could see the stage. And the way to get to the stage was from a uh, stairwell coming down. So you had to carry your act down this flight of stairs, share the stage with a five-piece band, do your act, surrounded 360 on the floor, and then also there was a balcony 360 surrounding you. So you had people looking down at your act from above. So you really had to be really careful about what material you chose. It had to be kind of bulletproof. And, um, you know, half the people were drunk from the bar, and, you know, the other half were – were bringing their friends there to, uh, to celebrate their birthday. So they were rowdy. And, you know, they also had waiters and waitresses that would just, you know, climb up onto the stage and sing a song or whatever. So they were kind of like singing waiters and that kind of a thing. And it was just a place to have, let loose and have fun. And, and everybody was drunk. So just uh, a really tough crowd. <laughs> you know what I mean? You really had, you had hecklers all the time and, you really just had to learn how to power through it. But anyway, I met Antonio there and he was doing this strolling stuff. And, and I just, I was watching him and I realized, you know, 
he just connected with people so quickly. You know, he would walk up to a table and and just boom, they they fell in love with him and the character, and you know, he just, you know, he just really uh, was able to to make that connection with the audience so fast. And then I said, you know what, let's let's work on something together. And in fact, I worked there for about two years before uh, I asked him if he wanted to work on something together. And um, and I had no idea that he had had prior magic experience. And uh, if you ever have seen Siegfried and Roy, uh, Antonio was the little Roy. They used to shrink Roy down and, and, and played the, the mini Roy. Mm-hmm. That is awesome and very inspiring as a fellow little person. Sure. Mm -hmm. So now fast forward, you're with, you know, fast forward into your career. How did you create the character of the inventor? So I try to, I try to invent all my own stuff. I try to Mm -hmm. be as different as possible from everyone else. And, uh, you know, try to create a product that I'm the only place they can get it. And, uh, you know, try to be as unique as possible. So that's just kind of my style. So when we started with the illusionist, uh, the producer said, so imagine that you were a superhero and what would your superpowers be, right? It's got to be something that's kind of connected to your style of magic because we want to create these, uh, these uh, like kind of nicknames for everybody, uh, monikers. So, you know, people were picking things like the trickster or the showman or whatever. And I thought, you know, I try to be as different as possible. And why not the inventor? So because I create all my own stuff and I could it just felt like a really big sandbox to play. in. I could do all sorts of things. It wouldn't be too limiting. And it uh, and it was different from what everyone else was doing. And so I just picked the inventor. Solid. Now I'm going to play, I'm going to play my advertisement here real quick. So don't go anywhere. Don't disappear on me, you know, (laughs) but a quick word from our sponsors at Harbor Ridge Golf Course. This BuddyCast is brought to you by Harbor Ridge Golf Course. If you're in the Erie area looking to play a quick nine, sharpen your skills on the putting green or driving range, or looking to play playing golf while having some quality time with buddies, head over to Harbor Ridge at 3730 Harbor Ridge Trail. When you're finished, head over to the Harbor View Grill to enjoy a good meal, some live music, a gorgeous view of Lake Erie, and some more good times. Call them today at 814-898-4653. Tell my buddy Adam that buddy sent you. That was a word from our sponsors at Harbor Ridge Golf Course. If you're out there and you're looking to play some golf, by all means. And if you're ever in the area, do you like to golf, Kevin? You know, I... Uh... I tried it once and I was never, I was not very good at it. So I just kind of mm. moved on. Yep. I'm the, I'm the same way. If the object of the game was to get the ball into the hole with as many strokes as possible, <laughs> I'd be the next Tiger Woods, you know? Yep. <laughs> so you mentioned you create your own tricks. Is that correct? I do. So what was the first trick you ever created? Wow. Uh, Good question. Um, I mean, that's that's a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I I, I started by uh, by just kind of uh, changing existing things. 
mm-hmm. you know, like trying to find new ways to use them or, you know, re- reworking an idea to create something better. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't start off with just like coming out of the block and creating something brand new from scratch. Mm-hmm. So you start by just uh, ex- um, yeah. So so I think the first real one of the first real ones uh, was uh, a trick that, I, in fact, I still do is a. Uh, it's a visual uh, card in a balloon. So you have mm. a card selected, and then uh, you uh, put it in the palm of your hand, and then hold it, hold it against a balloon, and and you know you're looking through the through the balloon at the card in in the palm of your hand, and then slowly you push, and the card swings down inside, and then spins by a corner, and then finally drops in, and you can hand it out. Nice, nice. What other yeah, are some? What are? Yeah, Go ahead. That's a, it's a really visual thing. And, and the great part is you can do it uh, like even at a kid's birthday party, you can do it and, and right above the kids and they can look up at the balloon and see it happen. Or, or it's good for a TV show because, you know, the camera can zoom right in tight. And, and so your face is in the shot with the, uh, the action that's happening. And so it's, uh, it's good for a lot of uses. Brilliant. What are some of your other favorite tricks that you like to use on stage? Uh, well, I, I, uh, like I created a thing called the floating rose, which, uh, I like to do in the middle of the audience with a little girl with a handheld camera projected on a big screen. And, um, you know, when I, when I, when I create a routine, I try to figure out what's the, what's the emotional hook I'm trying to create with it. It's more about feeling than and the trick itself is how do, how does the audience feel when when they experience this trick? So this this particular routine is about um, the feeling that that a little kid gets when magic happens, mm-hmm. you know. And then that's the feeling that you try to give make the all the adults feel also is feeling like a kid again. Mm-hmm. So there's one moment in the routine where I have a little paper ball and it's, I'm trying to make it move and finally it moves. And then, and then I get the a little girl right next to me and she's right there. She, I get her to point her finger at it and concentrate it. And she's w- wiggling and make, trying to make it move. And, and then it does move. And uh, that's really the money shot. You know, we were zoomed in on, on the action in her face. And when she makes it move, she really believes that she made it move. So she just, lights up and, and the whole audience, you just feel the electricity go through the crowd at that point. And then right. I'm twisting it into a paper flower and it floats and uh, flashes into fire and changes into a real rose. So she gets a nice souvenir at the end. But it's that moment when she makes it move that that's really uh, the important bit. Brilliant. Now that, that has me thinking, do you have any other feel-good stories from your time doing magic, like a story that still touches your heart to this day with the you know, reaction? Yeah, you know, uh, the snow has kind of evolved um, where I make it snow on the audience. Mm-hmm. I talk about my first impression of snow as a kid and, and then moving to Las Vegas. And, uh, and you know, none of the kids I knew here, you know, kids of friends of mine, they, they had no idea what snow was like. And and it just felt so uh, – uh, I felt sorry that they didn't – they never got to play in it. And uh, mm-hmm. 
because I have such great memories of, you know, sledding with my grandparents in Michigan, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, I tell this story about a child, my, you know, a child's first impression of snow. And, and then uh, and the, I used to just tell the story to the audience and, and make it snow. Well, what I do now is I invite, um, I say, you know, I usually end with it. So I say, this is, this is uh, the last thing we're going to do in the show. And, and it's a, it's kind of like a one last opportunity. Um, if you were, a, if you're a young person, like if you're 10 years old and younger and you uh, want to help on stage, now's your chance. Come on up. So this, the stage just, you know, you get 30 kids on stage. Uh, the first time I tried it this way was in Sofia, Bulgaria at an arena show. And we had literally had 200 kids on stage. It was wow. just like a wave. And I just, you know, I'm standing on stage going, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Because I just keep seeing all these kids, you know, swarm the stage. And it, and it was exciting, but it was kind of, you know, I kind of felt like, oh, we got to We got to put some uh, guardrails up for this. because We're going to have kids falling off the stage. And stuff. So. Basically, what I do is I get like 30 kids to sit down on the stage right in front of me, and I tell the story to them. And we have a handheld camera zooming in on their faces when I'm telling them the story. So now the audience is watching me talk to the kids. And, uh, and so then when I start to make it snow on stage, their natural reaction is to just leap to their feet and just start playing it, which those are super nice shots also because that's that's the moment also that where they're experiencing that that uh snow falling and they're trying to catch and stave the snowflakes and play with them and, uh it's just a real moment of joy so i mean i've had people come up after the snow and and because it makes you remember you know maybe you don't remember your first time playing in snow as a kid but you know it was great and you, you probably have good memories of, of sledding or skiing or uh, making snowmen or, you know, mm -hmm. snow angels, things like that, snowball fights. You know, so if you came from an area where there is snow, um, chances are you have some good memories from that. So what it does is it makes you start to remember your own memories of, of and the joy of playing in snow. And then so it's actually it kind of sends you on your own personal experience in your mind. So, nice. so it's, um, I've had people come up after the show saying, you know, you made me cry with that snow because I heard uh, all these good times, you know? Nice. Well, coming from Erie, Pennsylvania, we're no stranger to snow. Trust me. I was, <laughs> my parents brought me home from the hospital. It was a blizzard whiteout power outage. Wow. So, so I'm very used to it. I'm very <laughs> like, Hey, you know, <laughs> What I love is seeing states, you know, areas like Las Vegas. You guys get like a dusting of snow. Everyone panic. Everyone's like, whoa, once every whoa. once every ten years, yeah, yeah. But every once you do, everyone like panics, like, hey, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> National emergency or something? Yeah, even gets five feet of snow higher than me, and it's yep. still like, yeah, you're coming into work today, right? Or yeah, school's still on. Yeah, right. On. Don't worry about it. I used to. I went to a high school where the saying was if the headmaster can make it to school so can you yeah the headmaster lived about like five feet away from the campus so uh -huh. if he couldn't make it to school compared to me who lives like five miles away from campus you know mm -hmm. like that then there's a little bit of a problem there don't you think you know yeah well 
I remember sitting by the radio every morning going, oh, snow day, snow day, you know. Yep. Waiting, waiting for him to call it. <laughs> yep. So now keeping it audience appropriate, we talked about feel good stories. What about a funny story? Hmm. Wow. Uh, you know, I was I was working I had my own show at the Sheraton Hotel in Seoul, Korea. Uh, and it was a big stage and I was there on and off for about three years. And so because it was such a big venue, um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. The, uh, uh, I had a secret airstream under the stage mm. to make, make it snow, mm-hmm. right? A hidden airstream, big blower under the stage, coming out of a little hole right at the front of the stage, and it, it helped make it look. It helped make it play really big because it was a tall proscenium. And so now it was normally set up like a dinner theater, so that you have these big tables like in the showroom. And but on the weekends, uh, they decided they wanted to uh, take out all the tables and invite these K-pop bands. You know, the uh, Korean pop music, mm-hmm. teen music or whatever. And they would invite these bands in to, to play. And uh, and they wanted me to, because my show was already sitting there, they said, maybe you can do like one thing between the bands to kind of break it up and let them change and all that. Go, sure. So one of the times I was, so now they took out all the tables and they pushed all the kids on the floor. So they're all standing up on the floor, pushed right against the front of the stage. So I decide I'm going to do the snow, and I'm there, and I'm, and I've got a big handful of confetti, and it's the moment of truth, and the the snow, the, the invisible airstream starts to go up, and I start to, you know, put it into the into the airstream and make it snow, and it looks looking pretty good, and and then all of a sudden my big snowstorm starts to turn into a little flurry, and I look down, and there's this like you know, 14 year old boy with his hand over the ear laughing his, his butt off. Like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm stopping your, your trick. Right. And, and I like look down at him and I give him the, the heel in the back of my shoe, right on the back of his hand. And he's like, Oh, geez. You know? And then I just, I keep going in the snow. So, you know, I had to, you have to step on a few hands sometimes. <laughs> you know? It's always the ones that, like, are the trickster. You know, like the one kid at the birthday party that's always like, it's in yeah. his pocket or something like that. The one that everyone else is looking at you like, for your next trick, you can make him disappear, right? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, this they had like a couple thousand people in there. And this one guy was, like, giving me a headache. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. How many how many times have you had to deal with hecklers in your whole career? Oh, it happens occasionally. Not not so much these days because I'm, uh, you know, I don't give too much of a chance to, mm-hmm. to mess around. But um, in the early days, sure, it was a lot, and it was good training, you know. Yeah, learning learning how to get the audience on your side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or just learning how to power through, even when you have someone who's like, kind of like in comedy, you know, the show has to go on, even if there's someone who's constantly talking your ear off or 
yeah. trying to become the center of the attention. Just keep sure. going. Just keep moving. You sure. Know. Give them a little attention. See if that works. And if not, then take mm -hmm. another tactic. <laughs> yep. Main tactic. Security. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you now, are there any other magic that you like to to like maybe get your hands wet in more like coin magic or like, you know, well, favorite card tricks, stuff like that? You know, I started out doing close up uh, just because I think everybody does because that's what you have available. And it's um, you, know, you can't start off with the big stuff. Um, and I still love it. I love doing close up and it was a good training grounds and I still develop close up now, but normally instead of thinking about, you know, can I do this at the, at a table in a restaurant or at a party? Now I'm thinking about how is it going to look in the middle of an audience with a handheld camera projected on a big screen? So it's still developing close up material, but just thinking of it in a different way. Like how's it going to look on camera? Nice. Which kind of brings up a quick follow-up question. How many hours off stage do you practice magic? You know, the actual practicing of like, you know, working on slides and moves. Um, I don't do a whole lot of that. It's mostly now about developing, uh, you know, theatrical situations that, that can make an audience feel a certain way or, or sometimes I'll have a, I'll have a problem. Like I'll be developing a part of a show and I'll go, well, I've got to get from point A to point B. So, so now we have to create some sort of transition thing to get us from here to there. And, and, um, you know, or I've, or I've got a big TV show coming up and I'm like, uh, okay, so I need, I need something really spectacular for this. And so what are we going to do? And so, you know, usually it's the, fill in certain need, you know? Nice. Nice. Yeah. So now do you have any upcoming shows or anything that you'd like to promote today? Sure. I want it. Uh, is this live or is this yep. going to be later? Okay. Yep, this is live. Okay. So, well, you know, I'm going to be with the illusionist again. I think we're going to be coming through, uh, through Pennsylvania. Ooh. Uh, uh, in November. Ooh. So we're going to be at, uh, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on November 10th. Uh, Akron, Ohio is not too far, right? Nope, not at all. Yeah, so in Bethlehem, we're at the Wind Creek Event event Center. Is that it? Mm -hmm. um, November 13th will be in Akron, Ohio, E.J. Thomas. Uh, November 17th will be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Love Philly. Uh, at the Academy of Music, and November 21st will be at Hershey, Pennsylvania, at the Hershey Theater. Ooh, the sweetest place on earth. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have a Hershey bar for me, or have a Kit Kat, you know? <laughs> yeah, I remember we stayed in a hotel there, and they had, you know, like they've got scent machines, like in, uh, like in sometimes in bathrooms where it's like <laughs> a citrus smell or whatever. They had chocolate. Nice. In the, nice. In the hallways of the hotel room. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's Hershey PA. <laughs> so I have two more questions for you. Sure. The first one is brought to us by our buddy Jonas Kane at Hashtag Positivity. He wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Yeah, you know, I think just uh, 
someone that you uh, can feel so comfortable with, you know, you can just uh, kind of let let your uh, guards down and just uh, be yourself, you know. Nice. Brilliant answer. And the final question we have is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for this one? Yep. This one's brought to us by our buddies at Harbor Ridge Golf Course. And they want to know, for anyone out there who wants to be a magician, what is your advice to them? Sure. There we go. Okay. So sometimes uh, I hear magicians answer this question. They say, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. So, but mm -hmm. I don't feel that way. I feel if you, if you were meant to do it, you're going to do it no matter what I say. So, and I was like that. If somebody said, don't do it, I'd say, yeah, screw you. You don't know what's inside me. I'm going to do it anyway. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I say, live it, live it with no regrets, you know, go for it 110%. Um, the one thing that I would have changed, the one, uh, the one thing that would have saved me some time would be to, uh, so going to college, I studied theater but I wish I would have double majored in business. So mm. theater and business, you need them both if you're going to mm -hmm. be a success. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn the business part the hard way. Mm. I was about <laughs> to say, how the business, how's the business end of it like play into or so? Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, you know, I would have, I would have uh, done myself a big favor if I would have uh, double majored in business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, buddy, thank you so much for stopping here on BuddyCast. Thanks for being a buddy. You're not a guest on the show. You're a buddy. So thanks for being a buddy on BuddyCast. And before we end the show, I have one favor to ask you. Whatever you do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year, please go be someone's buddy. Think you'd do that for me? That's a good plan. All right. For all my buddies out there. This is my buddy, Kevin James, the inventor. Please, if the illusionists are in your area, please catch them. You won't be disappointed. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. We'll catch you all next time here on everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. <laughs> well, the days are going fast. Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone fast. Buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast. Make it, buddy, here on BuddyCast.